0: Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom. But most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Hey, I'm really grateful you could be with me today. I am your host Michelle Donnelly. Last month we kicked off a new feature on the Christian Single Moms podcast, a monthly feature called Pop Questions. And every month we answer a listener question that's been recorded and submitted through our website. And the reason it's called POP Questions is just because Plus One Parents acronym is POP, P-O-P. The question for this episode centers around the recovery process after you go through the significant loss of a relationship. So whether that was a divorce or a breakup or something like that, and really how long is too long to get into a, a new rhythm. But really at the heart of this question is something that is not often talked about in the single mother community, at least outside of the experience of widows, and that is the subject of grief. Joining me once again here on the podcast to talk through this question is my sweet friend, Kelly Trontel. If in listening to this episode, you would like to submit your own pop question, stick around to the end of the conversation and we'll tell you how you can do just that. All through the month of October on the Plus One Parents Collective, we're actually going to be talking more about grief so you can process some of what you hear in this conversation today. And with that, here is this month's pop question. Kelly, I'm so excited to have you back with me. How are you? I am so good. I'm so glad to be back. Kelly has just been through a little bit actually of um, a legal situation that I just want to know, Kelly, like for whatever bit or piece that you could share, would you talk a little bit about some of the things that you've been through the last since you and I last had a recording together? And I think it's so important because there are so many listeners who are going through some of these very same things. And... Dealing with having to hear hard things in the courtroom, having to deal with legal fees and all of the worry and anxiety that comes through these kinds of things. Would you just share a little bit of what's been going on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, um, my divorce was finalized, um, four years ago. So, you know, I feel like people just assume. That you sign those papers and it's done. And, Mm -hmm. um, what I'm walking through right now is not a family law situation, but, um, more of a civil matter and, um, yeah, it's, it's been a road. And so I've dealt with, um, more attorneys since filing or signing off on our divorce and settling that, um, and had to take a very serious matter, um, to the court. And it's something that I never dreamed that I would have to do. And it involves false accusations, things Mm -hmm. that I've read for years online and never dreamed that this would be my story, that I'd have to defend my mothering and my person uh, from false accusations. And it's gotten to a point where um, it's no longer about just ignoring it and it'll go away. It's yeah. it, it wasn't going away. And I have um, gone to that person directly. And then I went to my ex-husband to have him deal with it directly. I've gone through attorneys and law enforcement. And I just finished up a, a two-day trial in our district court seeking relief from um, just some harassing behavior and um, false allegations that would greatly affect my parenting and my children. So um a fight that I never wanted to be in, a fight that I didn't choose for myself, but um a fight that I felt that uh, and we know Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. And I've held on to that for so long. And a counselor of mine had just said, you know, Kelly, yes, the Lord fights for us and he and he will and he does, but sometimes he wants to fight with us. Mm. So this has been a growing season for me, one who does not like conflict mm. and struggles with believing that my words matter. You know, I've been minimized by the entire system for 4 years and um having to use my voice and be confident in um who who I am and what I believe um, is truth. So it's it's been a season of growth. it's been a season of um, extreme attorney's fees. this has costed me more than I ever wanted to invest. I mean, Honestly, I mean it. It's heading towards. I mean, looking like it could, you know, bankrupt me. You know, mm-hmm. it's. Um, but I believe that God has me, and so I'm not even going there with that. Yeah. But, you know, I owned a, a business for seven years, and so it's drained that. And just as a single mom um, out here, it has cost me more than I ever wanted to pay. But it it comes down to false accusations on my character and my mothering which greatly um, impacts my life and my children. So it's a worthy, worthy fight. Yeah. I
0: love that you mentioned Exodus 14, 14 too, because I think that verse, particularly in a season where you are being dragged into a fight. And I think that's the thing, you know, like you said, you wouldn't choose these things, but you're also not choosing the fight either, you know, Um, but it's come to your doorstep. And you And I were talking about this before we hit record, but sometimes fighting looks like knowing exactly where to stand, though. And right. in Exodus 14, 14, it says, in being still, right, that the Lord will fight for us. Sometimes, though, that means standing in a position where these things have to be exposed. And that's what you're doing. You that's know right. that sometimes it is prudent to stay out of court and let God fight the battle. And sometimes it is prudent to go into court. And only we know as we journey with God and seek wise counsel what is the right move for us but in clinging to that verse what does that mean for you now now trial is done you're waiting on a verdict or ruling i should say what does that verse look like for you now
1: yeah um definitely and i that is the other part of the verse it's easy to just say the lord will fight for the lord will fight for you but it does say that other half is you know you you only need to be still there's another there's another version or um translation that says to be silent, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um yeah, holding on um, to the truth of who God is and he is my defender. I don't need to defend myself. He is my defender, my provider. He sees it all. I mean, there's warnings all over, like not to mess with God's kids. And we look at, I look at myself as like a mama bear, right? Like we can like, don't mess with my kids and how much more um, does God stand on that? Mm-hmm. And so just believing and trusting that He has me and um, I never I I am a glass is half full. Let's talk about the good stuff in life and encourage people like don't lose hope, keep going. Yeah. Uh, it's been really hard for me to talk about this underbelly of what I'm dealing with. Yeah. it's it there's shame attached to it. I think it's it's not pretty. It's against everything that I live for. And as I mentioned to you earlier, my silence hasn't served anyone but my accusers. And Mm -hmm. I feel like there is a way in which God can and will use us as we use our words wisely with the right heart. And that is my hope is that I can encourage women who are experiencing the things that I've experienced, you know, like waking up in the middle of the night, panicked, you know, how am I going to get through this? How, how do I pay these bills? How do I provide for my kids? When, as I'm going through the justice system of protecting myself and my kids, the system is also bankrupting me at the same time. Like there's, it's hard, and so I want to use my voice for that to just encourage women who are listening to this right now that see no way out. Um, to just encourage you to just get in God's word. I mean, I spent every morning this summer out on my back patio with my coffee and my Bible, and that that is my weapon. And worship mm-hmm. has been my weapon. And for us not to lose hope, we live in a fallen world and a justice system that. I don't want to say that it's broken. What a a blessing to be able to sit there in front of a judge Mm. and get to tell my story. I was overwhelmed by that, that we have a justice system that allows us to do that. But like all things in a broken world, it's not perfect. And my faith isn't in that system. But um, but trusting that God has um, directed my steps and I am here and I want to be faithful in the story that he is writing. I love too
0: that you're pointing to voice because in the things that we've all been through, your voice, as you mentioned, does get real small and the enemy is out to crush that. Right. And to watch you though, go through this and the refinement that it has been producing that when you are using your voice and you are speaking, it is powerful Yeah, to see that to get to walk alongside you in whatever way I get to, you know, in the little bit that I get, it's so God, you know, and it's just, it is encouraging. It is inspiring. And I'm just so grateful though, that that is becoming a greater passion for you because it's healing for you, but it's healing for all of us too. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. No, That's so good. Thank you. Yes. Kelly, we have a question today from Shannon and we are going to play this question right here. Uh, she has a question about the timeframe that it's taken for her to move through her divorce
1: process. Hi, Michelle. This is Shannon Carter in Austin, Texas. My question is, it took me and my four daughters about four years till I felt like we were sort of out of the traumatic part of our divorce in our life blowing up. Is that normal that it takes that long? And three or four years is like half of, you know, I I saw two kids graduate in this time. Um, So my question is, is that normal that
0: it takes that long? And could I have done anything to hasten it? Thanks so much. Okay. So Shannon's question, she's asking, I think when I hear this, she's asking a couple of things. First is, is this normal that it's taken about four years to kind of get her feet back underneath her is what it sounds like more or less, at least um, maybe from that kind of new normal standpoint where it's like, okay, this is our life now. Um, And then the second part of this though, is there anything I could have done to speed this up? And that, when I heard that part, it clicked to me. I'm like, oh, this is a question about, grieving, you know? And I think this is something that in, when it comes to the single mother experience, this is something that's very much talked about in the widow, widower sort of experience, you know, that the understanding of grief and how long it takes and what it looks like and all those kinds of things is very much a part of the community's conversation. But when it comes to women who have experienced a breakup, divorce, some addiction, abuse, some other way that they became single mothers, grief is not really a thing that we're talking about. It's not really what we're pointing to when we are having these kinds of questions. And so we do have this pressure of like, oh my goodness, I'm wasting time. Like, am I not supposed to just like move on already? You know. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's important for us to really unpack here, just the sense of like, what is grief? And how is this looking for us? And how long is this supposed to take? Like all of those, those questions. Did you get kind of a similar read?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I My heart like hurt when I heard this because that, that was the same thought I had was the grief. Am mm-hmm. I doing this right? And have I grieved for too long? Is there a way to speed it up? And yeah. grief is so important to... Acknowledge and walk through, and um, and it's not something that I feel anybody should just ever ignore. I mean, you ignore it, you're going to have you're going to deal with it at some point, and come back. Something, yes, right. (laughs) She is bossy. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So yeah. So to rush it, and I I agree with you. It's it's not talked about. It's not talked about, and having walked through the death of my parents and my younger sister, I was handled differently in that versus a divorce mm. and the, you know, the meals that were dropped off, you know, and the flowers, I didn't get flowers. I don't think yeah. anyone's sent flowers when I was going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> like, there's no divorce my casserole. <laughs> no, it's treated and handled so differently. Yes. And I, I love this and, and even yeah. having this conversation to normalize that grief exists in a divorce situation yeah. as it's a truly a death. It's a loss for sure.
0: And, and death of so many things, death of not just the relationship between you and this person, but the life that you had, the life that you thought you were going to have. It's very, very similar to the fact that if, if that person had died... But then they're also still walking the earth. Like that is another thing that you're having to continue to maybe even live some life out with this person that if there's a shared custody situation here, I mean, that trigger of loss happens over and over and over again. So when she's talking about, you know, it's four years though, to kind of go through this mourning period, is that normal? A hundred percent. I want to say yes. Like... Yes, yes, yes. I think that I only really started after the four-year mark feeling like, okay, I've got enough foundation rebuilt underneath me that I can start to envision my future with hope. Like, not just sometimes and then it goes away, (laughs) you know, like that Mm -hmm. I really can say I am able to move forward this thing is a part of my story but it's not all of the story and i think in that 4 year span it was the sense like this is all of my story this is it i'm always going to feel this way you know right
1: what about you yeah i did i felt like this is it you know this is i have the big d on my forehead mm-hmm. and is there life after this and and again As I mentioned earlier, I love the positive. Let's get to the good part. Yeah, (laughs) I wanted that, you know, early on. But um, there's been so many other things, you know. That there's been a divorce, but like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, just this court trial. I mean, this has been going on for a year and a half. You Mm know, Um, I'm reading uh, John Eldred's. Eldridge, uh, his book Resilient, right now, and when he's discussing military and trauma, you know, healing and restoration and counseling for PTSD or any any of the traumatic um, experiences that they've dealt with, aren't ever dealt with until their time in the military is done. Mm. So you're not going to start counseling you're not going to start this healing process then to be called back out again and go out to the war or the trauma and so when i was putting that in terms to my own of just i'm trying to heal i'm trying to grow but then i'm getting pulled back into this trauma situation of you know attorneys and affidavits and court like it's been this push and pull and yeah. I feel like as you mentioned, just with custody and having to um communicate, you know, with people that have hurt you or continue to hurt you, it is really hard. I think that slows down that healing process because it's it's not like we get to have a cut, a you know, mm-hmm. a, a breakaway, as in like a death where someone isn't here anymore. Mm-hmm. And you can mourn and you learn to live without that person. Um in our case, it's this cutaway and you're having to mourn and learn to live with this person, um, whether they're treating you um, right or wrong. Yeah. So having to to grow at the same time as you're continuing to grieve.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the thing. I've had to be gentle with myself and recognizing the trauma is still ongoing. And the one thing that is shared in common, though, whether the person actually dies or whether there's a divorce is the fact that. The trauma comes so often in whether or not we're able to process the loss of the life that we thought we were going to have or the life that we wanted, you know, so that part, sometimes I think we get stuck on the grieving of the person and there is this continued grief though of our life and our Mm -hmm. lifestyle and what we thought life was going to be and whether or not we think that there's hope attached to that. And I think it's really important to distinguish like you may have a morning period that's really intense, you know? And for me, that period was like, sometimes I'd be so overwhelmed by emotions that I would have to tell my kids, sit down and watch this movie. I'm going to go in my room and melt down for 20 minutes, <laughs> you know? And they didn't know what I was doing. But uh, I think that's some of what Shannon's pointing to here though too, is there's a, there's a loss of the time with the kids though too. So now I've, I've lost the life I thought I was going to have. And now I'm losing the thought of the mother I thought I could be or the memories that we were going to have or even the money to celebrate birthdays the way that I want to. Like every time these things come back around, it's another grief. It's another experience with that loss. And so in recognizing that, yes, there's going to be a period of time where that mourning is more intense, but that the grief is also something you are learning actually to walk with. Right. You know, that this is, it may not be as big, and it may not feel as unmanageable over time but you will walk with it you know this is the right. limp that for the yes. rest of your life though you may have other happy things that do happen though you may get married in the future if that's what you want you know whatever the case would be what god would have there there's still joy ahead but it's not going to erase the fact that this loss is a part of your story and i think though when we can accept That and I think that word "accept" is hard to use (laughs) because it means like I think it's okay, you know, to us sometimes. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's not okay. (laughs) It doesn't have to be okay. But we acknowledge—maybe "acknowledge" is a better word. Acknowledge what what has happened and how it has changed us, and it will continue to change us. It doesn't have to be something that's an adversary to us, though. It can be a place where we experience God in it as He's walking us through these things, but again, because we're not talking about these things, how do we get our mind about, around why am I still having these emotions? I mean, there are times, Kelly, Like this last week, one of the things that grief draws up for me and I didn't even realize this till last week is loneliness, you know? Mm-hmm. It is a trigger for me to be alone. And I just think, shouldn't I be spiritual enough? Like that I have a relationship with God and community and all these other people. Should I not be spiritual enough that I won't feel lonely? Right. And recognizing, no, being lonely is a part of this grief. It is a part of what I have lost. That the reason I am alone right now is because of what I have lost. And so, for all of my trying to run from feeling lonely, stop feeling lonely, don't think about being lonely, all this kind of thing, you know, the more that I started to recognize, you know what, grief is not always even just sadness, grief is anger, grief is loneliness, grief is all these other things. Right. Then I can process it through the filter of, yep, it's because of. This situation, you know, right? And there's lament in that, though. There's complaining to God about that, <laughs> right? right. Uh, which is real, you know. But there's a beauty in being able to open the the heart to the Lord, like in in that, you know, and right. being received, and then receiving what He has, right? And that that is for me, you know this messy four year period of time, um, where I start to see that it isn't wasted, you know, that there are things that we give our kids through what we experience as we walk with God. So I think it's less about how much time it takes. Right. And more about how you
1: spend the time. That's great. Yeah. That's so it's so true. And I, just our perspective. And I think it took me a couple years to get this perspective. I remember I'm reading a quote that said, what you thought was rejection is really protection. And I couldn't even wrap my head around that. Like, how was I protected? Mm-hmm. How, how, you know, and how was this a good thing? I couldn't reconcile that, you know, divorce could be the better thing, you know, in my story. And, um, yeah. So it took a while to get that perspective. And I stand on that today. Absolutely. I had no clue. Um, God sees it all. As I said, God sees it, he hears it. And there are absolutely times that he then just pulls us up, yanks us out of that situation. Or, you know, again, we think, you know, a friend's distance to us is a rejection and it's not, it's God's provision. I believe that Every, everything he is sovereign over friendship, marriage, relationship, jobs, and, um, just putting that filter on, um, not so much as looking at everything as a rejection, but true protection. And that has really helped me these last few years and not looking at, um, yes, it's still loss so recognizing that, but my grieving has changed mm. and, um, I'm a different mom through this. Like I say this often, like my kids got a better mom out of this deal. Mm, let's I thought that. we were fine. I thought my marriage and the way we were raising our kids was fine. Me too. And that's scary. Like when, cause when we think we're fine, you know, we just want life to just be good again. Right. Mm -hmm. That's such a a trap. I feel like for the enemy to just put us on this course of cruise control. Yeah. And we can't afford that ever. And so this, uh, blind sighting that happened to me, um, opened my eyes to a reality that I had no clue about. I literally was living with rose colored glasses and everything is good. My kids are in the private school. We're living in this resort town. Life is good. And I don't care if you're a millionaire, you know, and have all the things you want. Life, life with Jesus is good. Yes. But life here, we live in a fallen, broken, evil, dark world. And so I thank God for getting a hold of my life and shaking it the way that he did. And he did it through divorce yes. and, and whatnot. But my my kids have a better mom and I stand on that. I am way more <laughs> focused on our mealtimes together because instead of seven days a week, we have them four days a week. Mm-hmm. You know? So again, we can look at it and be upset about the lost days or how are we using the days that we do have? Yeah. And that's a perspective that married people don't have, but we should all, right? No, we don't know the days of our kids. We should always be living with this perspective that we don't have tomorrow. And so for us as single moms, I believe that we can use this as an advantage of the way that we look at our families is we know we don't have Wednesday night with them. I know I don't have Thursday night, so I'm going to make Monday and Tuesday matter, so yeah. we actually have a, a a different perspective than people that have a quote unquote, you know, intact family, you know, yeah but we have an opportunity to, to be a more focused and fierce and intentional mom because of what yeah. we've walked through. I so love that you just brought all of that up because
0: first thing that you said that I was like. That needs to be keyed into is the fact that divorce can be the better path. You will never hear that in a church. People will not, (laughs) they're not going to put that all over, you know, sermons and messages and all that kind of stuff, but it is true that the Lord does allow it. And because this is a wicked fallen evil world, those things are going to happen. And because of Jesus, they are redeemable. That's right. He has for us a good life with Him and a better path, and we can become better women, better mothers because of what He does in those situations, that He does not consider us second best because that happened, because we fall short of what is the ideal. That God's ideal is for Him to be the head of our families. And as you just alluded to, sometimes that doesn't happen in a married situation. It certainly, everything you just described was my life married as well. And you are asleep on your feet. You don't even see what you don't see. And that in the, the ripping away, that is excruciating, and there are many things, certainly, that we get exposed to, our kids get exposed to, that are are awful, that we would not ever say that we would wish upon people. But in the midst of it, as you said, we can become better moms. We can be so much more focused and it's not going to happen every time, you know, it's, it's not going to be like, well, I have two days and they're going to be the best knockout two days. Like sometimes that looks like you are a safe parent and your kids fall apart on you for two days, you know, whatever it is that, that your situation looks like. But the fact is we have so much more of, of a necessity to cling to God in being single parents that our lives become more vibrant, richer, fuller, flourishing in a way that I didn't know when I was married, Right. that I can see the wickedness and the evil. And where I had rose colored glasses, I am teaching my kids now, like you give the benefit of the doubt to the oh, people right. who are trustworthy and nobody else, you know, like it is, it is teaching my kids though, to see the world with spiritual eyes in a way that I was not doing beforehand. When, when life was about vacations and, you know, remodeling projects and sports or activities, you know, we we were so consumed with so many other good but lesser things, you right. know. And I think that's the thing in in what Shannon was talking about is, you know, in this four-year span of time, she has girls that have graduated from high school. You know, she's she's got this period of time that that she in her mind may have rather lived it some other way or maybe felt like she couldn't be fully present. And that that is that happens. That's a hundred percent part of my story too. But in even the sequestering, you know, that where we're having to pull ourselves away to grief, where we're having having to learn how to deal with big emotions, we're having to learn how to cling to God. And we feel like we're paying less attention to our kids, our kids are watching those still. Right. And our kids are still present in that. And we're able to just glean these little bits and pieces and share them with our kids as we go. And that is so much more equipping our kids for real life, for the right. things that God has for them and for the things that will come across their paths. Right, So much more equipping than if we spent Saturday at the ball field, you know, which again, good things, but not the best things. That's so good. Absolutely. I love it you know, and it's, but it is, we don't arrive at this point, day one, you know, we don't, we don't have the ability to get to the, what is God going to do when we're still underneath the, why did this happen?
1: Right.
0: You know, and what I, I think is one of the things about grieving, but life in general is just learning to hold the tension of all of that you're going to hold both. You're going to hold joy and you're going to hold grief and you're going to hold contentment as you see God come through. And you're going to hold dissatisfaction that this is my situation in the first place. And you're going to ping pong back and forth through these emotions. And they may be wildly swinging for a while. And then after some time, they may seem to have less frequency or less intensity and then when they come back, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, I thought we were done with this. <laughs> yeah. right. But in in reminding ourselves, that is what it is to be fully alive. Yeah. That being fully alive on this side of eternity means holding all of those experiences, but holding them as we are held in the arms of a good and loving God who he's rocking us. You know, that's, I just think about ourselves as the babies, you know, that he is singing lullabies over us. He's rocking us. He is, he's delighting in us. You know, he is, he is the strength by which we can hold these things. And the things that are too heavy, we can put down, you know, as you've gone through these court battles and things like that, there are things that you've just had to say, God, I can't worry about this. You have it, you know, that we experience that more and more and more as we grieve. And that is really where that lessening of the frequency and intensity comes from is we're walking with him more and more intentionally. Our intimacy with him becomes deeper so that we are better able to hold the tension of the hope of eternity that is already ours, but the reality of the
1: temporal of where we are now on our way there. Yeah, that's so good. And what an honor it is that we get to model this for our kids. And we do have that choice. So going back to what Shannon was saying, just the the pain of, I had these four years and in that four years, my kids went off to high school. And I just want to say, I'm sorry for that. Just even acknowledge that that is real. And I too, in that four years, my daughter was one and she just turned five and just went off to kindergarten. So her entire toddler, be at home, play on the floor, baby phase was was distracted by a lot of these other things. And so we have a choice, you know, we can go down that rabbit hole and feel the guilt and the shame and there's nothing we can do about it. But for whoever's listening today, we can choose how we're going to handle it and model exactly what you just said, um, holding both the joy and what we know who God is and what he says about us and our future, and then the grief and the pain and the loss and the disappointment, and that we get to model that. We are no longer the parents that just get to tell our children these things. We get to model it. We're getting to model it. And I believe this is such a different world than you and I growing up. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like we're old ladies for saying it, but (laughs) just this world is changing so quickly. Yeah. And we need to raise resilient children. Yeah. And the culture is a comfort culture. And so culture isn't going to teach them that we get to teach them that. Mm -hmm. So again, looking at having this perspective, that we are being trained for that. And we're raising up the next generation of resilient, faithful, and integrous children.
0: Yeah.
1: And so again, it's that perspective shift. And that's, again, it's, it's beyond having rose-colored glasses or the perspective yeah. that gla- the glass is half full. No, let's go back to truth and who God is. And we know how the story ends. So at some point, it's changing that perspective of like, this happened to me, but this is what I'm going to do about it. Mm -hmm. And just rising up and having that fierce focus of motherhood, you know, life may have stolen this from me, but it's not going to steal this. It's not going to take my children. So that to me is that perspective shift. That is so important. And that's where I hope to just use my voice is to speak to that and bring out that fire. Yeah. Uh, we are we are created to be resilient and this culture has softened us and it is not helpful. And so for us to to take what we've walked through, our pain has a purpose. We know that and partner with the Lord in that and raise our families the way that God is calling us to. And yeah. we get to partner with Christ in that.
0: Yeah. And I think this is a thing that we actually have an advantage then. So where so much the enemy wants us to think we're disadvantaged because we're single moms, we're divorced, we're cast out, we've been abandoned, rejected, whatever your situation is. We actually have the advantage because we can see the world as it is. We have eyes to see things. That it, this is messed up world. This is not, this is not the American dream that all of us thought that we were gonna have, you know. And that because we can see things as they are, and because we get to see the Lord as he is, and we really get to see him fighting battles, we really get to see him defending us and our kids, and we really just have a front row seat to all the work that he's doing. Firstly, we get to receive the peace. And the knowledge of his presence and his closeness. And that's empowering for us. So our pain becomes purpose, but through peace, by knowing his peace. That is the thing that we have to receive. That is the thing we have to give away to our kids and to the people around us. But as you said, with culture, the culture used to reflect a whole lot more of our values, our faith. Now it doesn't.
1: Absolutely not. So when
0: you think about what we have to bring to our churches and our communities, it is the understanding that our culture is becoming more and more and more antagonistic to the ways of living in faith. And that Because we're on the front lines of having to live some of these lessons out in our own families. Like we are having to deal with some of these divisions in our own families. And so by us learning how to walk that according to truth, with grace, according to truth, that is a thing that we're able to bring into our communities that we also then see hurting broken people because the Lord has seen us as hurting broken right. people, that he, when we're in community, he has sent people, I know to you and to me, that we get to also be those people that we're all light bringers. And this is how shalom is being brought back into this whole thing, you know? And wow. so when we talk about what we were made for in the garden, shalom, yeah. it, You think it means just peace, you know, but if you really look at that word, shalom is wholeness. It is harmony. It is, what everything God is restoring us to is that original design. And so we actually, in our brokenness, are getting the ability to walk further away from the world and closer to God's original design. Oh, good. Hanging on to Him. So anyway, (laughs) I get all my preaching moments, but it's just, this is so important to me that we talk about these things though, because the narrative is you are less than, you didn't match up to the ideal, this is the thing that we feel the pressure of, you should just move on. You should stop talking about these things. And it's like, no, we need to heal so that we can learn to talk about them well. Because right. there's so much that we have to give to one another and to receive and to experience God in as our voices return to us, yeah. you know? And as we learn to to share what God has done in the grief that the story of what he's redeeming that we're watching play out in real time right. becomes the thing that we can look at the enemy and say, not me, not my kids, right? not my family. That's right. So good. So good. <laughs> One last thing I wanted to mention, I was praying over um, this episode. I was praying over a verse that we might be able to share and talk about in this Situation that Shannon has brought up, and it's Joel two twenty five, which many of us understand have heard before. You know that I will repay the years that the locusts have eaten, and one of the there's two things that I thought were really interesting in this verse. The first is that word repay. Other translations will say I will restore the years, I will recompense the years, but that that word has the connotation of. In the repayment, though, in the reciprocation, that there is also now a friendliness with God, that there's also a safety with God that He promises in the restoration of what we've lost. And I think that's just a lot of what you and I have just talked about here, Kelly, the fact that he doesn't let things happen to us to teach us a lesson. He, These things are happening. They will happen in this broken world. And because of Jesus, they get to be the thing that pulls us into greater intimacy with God and greater peace with Him and within ourselves and with each other. But the other thing about this is the fact that it actually in the original talks about the types of locusts. It actually details out four different types that there's the swarming and the creeping and the cutting and, you know, all these types of things. And that is the experience though of grief in this life is that we're going to have multiple kinds of things that are going to try to take life from us that are going to cause us grief. That as we talked about, you know, it could be the loss of a person and the loss of dreams, the loss of a business, as you've mentioned, you know, the loss of just, I mean, even reputation—you know—all these things that you're having to wrestle with, losing over and over and over again. And the beauty of the promise of this is that God is going to give us, in relationship with Him, so much more than what the enemy has tried to take
1: from us. That's right. Absolutely, it's so beautiful, and it's and it's true. And that that was a verse that I've held on to. And we know. Um, there's some things we may or may not see this side of heaven, but, um, God is good and he, he does restore and it may not look the way that we believe, you know, your, the kids are already gone. Like, all right, they've graduated from high school. They're in college now. Like, how are you going to restore this? But there is so much that, um, that we, that we won't see, you know, you, you, um, I just mention that you know when we walk it, when we're walking through this, we've got an opportunity to not only tell our kids but show them. And we just don't know what that looks like for them off in college. You know the way that Shannon stood up for truth or fought for her family, and so there's fruit that's going to be coming from the way that we have handled ourselves and situations and. So to me, that's part of the restoration and the, the time, Mm -hmm. you know, that is given back to us just in our teaching. We're, we're in teaching moments right now. We may have never thought that we'd be teaching our five and 10 or 12 year olds, these uh, things of resiliency, you know, um, in life. But I believe that that's, that all matters and that's going to come back around full circle and we will see fruit from that. So God is absolutely redeeming every aspect of our life here, but we know what's to come. We know what we get on the other side of this. And so just walking faithfully. And if this is what it costs me Mm -hmm. to truly lay down my heart, which I've done multiple times, you know, Mm -hmm. just laying my own heart at the altar. um, It's worth it. It really is worth it. And so, the grief and the loss. I mean, it's our cross, right? It's our, our yeah. life and what we were hoping our life would look like. Um, but if this is what it costs me to spend every morning at the feet of Jesus this summer, yeah, like I've never had prior summers, like it is like I go to bed and I can't wait till the next morning, you yeah. know, there's a sweetness that has come from the pain. And so just to me that's that's reconciliation you know right there and just um being able to experience the goodness and faithfulness of god even in the midst of pain mm. and when i was living on cruise control and thought my life was was good yeah it wasn't and so um to just have that perspective that you know life can be good again i think that's hard for us to believe or or hope for again, but, um, I always say my life is different. It's hard, but, but good. Yeah. So we can have both and hold both and God does and will redeem. And so, um, yeah, all of this, this question has just been encouraging and just really great to just be able to speak on that, um, grieving is part of the process and it's something that we shouldn't overlook or, or desire to quickly pass through. There, there are really sweet moments in the grieving process um, if we allow ourselves to walk through it.
0: Mm-hmm. So good. Shannon, thank you for your question. Kelly, thanks for spending time with me, girls. So good to be with you again. So good. Thanks. Now, if you would like to submit a question for an upcoming pop question segment, head over to plusoneparents.org. parentsorg If you scroll down a little on the homepage, you'll see a feature on our website where you can actually leave us a voice recording of your question. Or if you prefer to be a little more anonymous, you can click on the contact page and send your question by email. I'd love to invite you to get more involved with the Plus One Parents community. If you head over to plusoneparents.org, you can sign up to become part of our free private community experience, the Plus One Parents Collective. On the website, you can also check out our blog and other resources on topics relating to dating and parenting, abuse recovery, and spiritual well-being. Or you can also get on our mailing list to receive Plus One Parent exclusive updates. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at plus1.parents. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are Beloved.